Welcome to Backboard Banter on the board with your hosts, Matt Middleton and Kevin Rayner, where the banter's as ferocious as that Luka 60-2010 game, or should I say the Donovan Mitchell 71-point game, my brother? LeBron with 48 on his 38th birthday, but no, it's gotta be Connor Bedard. It's gotta be the World Juniors right now. Canada grabbing gold once again in not the calendar year, but the last six months, that's for sure. Bro, like... It was August when they won this tournament last. He was on that team. He had eight points in seven games then. This time he put up a ridiculous 24 points. Like, we haven't seen this since the 80s, my friend. He smashed Eric Lindros's record for most points by a, by a world junior player. Um, he beat Jordan Eberle for Team Canada. Even 18. What? What are we talking about? Absolutely crazy from an individual effort, but also the whole Canadian team coming together, making it happen, making the fantastic run. And you know, Bedard respected his teammates as well in that post game interview. Honestly, just a great run from these young kids. Yeah, that was kind of funny, man, when he was like, No, no, we're not talking about me. We're talking about Canada. I love this team. I love this country. Like, kid, kid had his heart in the right place. He does need to learn how to enunciate better, but when you score goals like that, man, like, who cares about talking? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And, hey, you know what? You think about the future for this kid, maybe he gets to transition from saying he loves Canada to loving the Canadians, and you know the people in Montreal would rip on him if he's not, you know, properly using the right words. Oh, man. We wouldn't care what he says if he came to Montreal. <laughs> we would, you know, be so happy about it, but... Currently, Chicago's at the best odds, um, so we'll see what happens. But, w- man, what a heck of a tournament for this kid. He's going to be special. Uh, this draft looks really special. And, ah, uh, man, so happy they won the gold, my brother. Like, it's, it's a good time as a Canadian fan. And doesn't that make it, what, 20 in, like, the 40 years that they've been running this tournament? So, as it should be, Canada standing where they belong. 20 of the last 28, my friend. Oh, God, it's even better than I thought then. but we should return to the takes from last week i know you're still simmering on those grizzlies man we'll see how they do they are at the top of the table at the nuggets though 25 and 13 they're just chilling up there exactly where i expected them to be but the more exciting thing from two weeks ago was you my man getting both of them right pelicans getting the win on i'm sorry 40 points from cg i think that might have been a new career high for that man but the jazz also getting the w Matt, you know, riding high off those takes. Man, I feel like they were kind of easy, you know. Jazz and Pels were the better team. Maybe Washington could have pulled out the win, but the Spurs were definitely not getting that one. Spurs are uh, living for that Wempignana sweepstakes right now. They are loving being, you know, just slightly above the Rockets a little bit. But I think it's time we talk about this Raptors team because we can come back to the rest of the league later because we got a lot we're going to dissect because... Not a good couple of weeks. Two and four since the last time we chatted. Matt, pain. That's what we are feeling right now. That's it. Dude, like, I don't understand how we can be undefeated against the Cleveland Cavaliers and, like, start this, you know, two and four stretch with that win. You know, I can understand losing to the Clippers and, and the Grizzlies. Beating Phoenix and then losing to Indiana? Like, what? what are we talking, man? It's not a good time. And the problem that we keep seeing consistently 
is that we are a defensive-oriented team who should be one of the best defenses in the league. But the problem is, is that, you know, you can have a bulletproof car, but if you're missing one window, you're still going to get shot. And that seems to be what's happening with the Raptors right now. There's just so many cracks in our system, and teams are exploiting them left and right. That's, man, you nailed it right on the head. I think, again, it comes back down to Nick Nurse. We've talked about him before. And we've tried to give him the benefit of the doubt. We've tried to, you know, be on his side because he did win us that championship. He was, you know, a great coach, innovative with the box and one. But I think he's gone a little bit too far innovation. And he needs to come back to that traditional style of NBA play because we are not playing NBA style basketball. And that is why we are losing. And when the players have to have a players meeting... I'm sorry, regardless of where you are in the standings, regardless of how your situation is going, that means there's a problem. And hey, we can hope that it'll be like the, you know, the Celtics player conversation that they had last year before deciding to turn their season around. But here we are, what, a week or two later, and it, the same stuff has been rolled out onto the court every night. It just, it's not looking good, man. We need a new voice, I think, in that locker room because... Like you said, man, we have the pieces to be one of the best teams in the NBA on defense. Uh, the length, the versatility. I think Pascal Siakam is one of the best free-helping defenders this league has ever seen. Like, the man flies in there and is so quick to react. We don't need to keep sending double teams. We don't need to sell out on threes. We need to you know, guard face up. And I think that Bucks game is just a real, you know, underscoring factor of why our team needs to play a real style of defense. Because the fact that we had already three guys on Giannis and we, and Fred thinks that he needs to help from the opposite corner. Like, what are we doing here, man? It's just painful. Just painful to see left and right and you know you talk about Siakam being a great help defender and I'm like yeah he was following in Giannis like footsteps with the way he was leading this team having his defensive hustle and being the beast you know in the lane that he could be but unfortunately something's going on whether it's nurse whether it's all the boys thinking that it is this crazy help style defense cool I'm sorry it's been Two seasons now where all we've done is complain about the fact that we leave open so many three-point shots? Is anyone else seeing it? Like, what's going on? Well, I think the whole league has seen it, man. Like, we are getting burned on defense because the teams are just exploiting us. They're passing it around. They're having us overhelp, and as soon as they see the overhelp, they know to kick, kick, and it's going to be a wide-open shot. And we need to fix that. We can't keep you know the definition of insanity is you try something over again and expect a different result like we keep playing this style and like yes it worked for a little bit it was innovative for a little bit but when teams figure you out you need to respond and if you don't respond we get this we get a team who had a 48 win season last year who by all means, should have improved by just internal competition and adding Otto Porter Jr. And yet, we're worse, man. We're quite a bit worse, to be honest. And it's worse by the consistency, too. Like, you you could go out in Toronto right now, go on the streets, pick out a couple random fans, and be like, hey, are you watching the games? 
Half of them might say no because they're like, well, it's the same product every night and we're losing. And that's never a good sign, right? And we as we as fans, we can we can speculate, we can think about what's going on, but, but we don't really know what that locker room is going right. You mentioned talking about how a new voice is needed. Well, we know that the main voices in the Raptors locker room are Nick Nurse, Fred Van Vliet, and Pascal Siakam. And at this point in the season, one of them has shown that he's here to play and is here to show up. And that's Pascal. You know, people can joke on Twitter all they want. You know, trade Siakam, build around Pascal. That's funny. That's funny for them to say, right? But at the same time, I don't want I don't want any funny anymore. I want this team to get together and figure it out. And if a new voice is needed, I'm looking at Fred. I'm looking at Nick Nurse as the two voices that are the ones that have the power. And if someone's got to be replaced, it's probably one of those two. Honestly, man, um, I think it's just you're you're right. Like it's just so bad to 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 think that you know they can keep putting out the same product and expecting that that different result. It's annoying to see Nick Nurse call out their effort level when yes, you know their effort level maybe isn't there all the time, but the style of play that you're asking them to do is is draining man like they sell out on every single play they double they they force the ball on every single play we need to stop it you know we we over rotate we over help we over switch and it's just something that needs to change and it doesn't even just extend to our defense it extends to our offense as well we are way too talented we have way too many players who can score at at this nba level to be a bottom five half court offense fred van vliet is a great off-ball shooter yes he's having a bad season some of its back injuries some of it's probably because he's drained the last two years he's been playing over 37 minutes a game like we need to figure it out. Gary Trent Jr., last year he had that seven-game stretch that only Kevin Durant, LeBron James, John Morant, and a handful of other guys could match in this league. Like, we have talent, and when it's not going well and when the talent isn't being maximized, you, you come back to the coach, man. You just do. And it's the body language on court too, right? Like, before I get to Nurse, I have to talk about Fred just a little bit more. We always joke about his iso ball shots, right? I have a distinct memory of one of these games where Fred just pulls up in transition and takes the shot, and Gary turns around and starts walking back on defense. Doesn't even wait to see if the shot's going in or not. And, like, you could joke that he's confident that Fred's going to hit the shot. No, he's not. He's not at this point. That's the last thing i got to say about Fred here at this point, because he's done great things for the franchise. He's been such a beast. But if you are the the, the true leader, the on-court leader of this team that we know he is, we know Pascal is the is the juggernaut of the ball and fred is the voice of reason supposedly man and it's just it's painful right he talks about fred has constantly talked about how he knows he's not at the right place he knows he's not in, in doing it well well if you know that look at yourself on court too and and take away those negative points and just be the passing force that you can be be the team leader be the voice like we joke about how we love coach fred when he when he you know has his nights where he's in street clothes I don't like that we're joking about that. I feel like that's the whole point where I'm at now. It's just our jokes are too much. Man, the fact that he's supposed to be our on-court leader, he's supposed to be the guy that makes the right play and is the voice of reason, like you said, but he only has two 
above 50% shooting games in his last 10. And if you want to extend that even back further, like 15 games, it's still only two. Like, he is not shooting well, and yet he refuses to not take 15 to 24 shots a game. And it's got to change, man. It's got to give. With Gary Trent Jr., like, again, he had a horrible start to the season, but he's turned it on lately. He's been efficient. He's been taking his shots. He's been taking his looks. He's actually getting more assists and rebounds than he has previously. Like, maybe lean into him. Like, the the Bucks game is a prime example. Who had it going in that game? I didn't think Fred had it going at the end of the game. Maybe at the beginning of the game he did. He dragged us back into that fight. But the guy who hit the 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 shot to put us into overtime doesn't get the chance to win us the game? What are and, we doing? And I can expand on that play because... You know, I had a nice Christmas. I had my family over. Alex and I had her family over. You know, we had a busy household, so I didn't get to watch too many Raptors games. So I saw this Bucks raptors game in the schedule, and I went, man, this is going to be a banger. This is going to be an awesome game. I'm excited to watch it. And then we started Oprah 15. <laughs> and, 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 and that sucked. We, super low-scoring first quarter. But to take it all the way to the end, right, to talk about that shot that Gary hit, great offensive flow, great movement, setting screens, making things happen. You, any fan, go watch the end of that game. The end of OT. Fred gets a the switch. The Allen play. Oh, like gets, anything. Like all, everything leading up to that, it was all Gary Trent Jr. Man, like him and Scotty were the players who were crushing it for us. And yet, in overtime, we chose to run plays for Siakam and Fred VanVleet. And I understand there are leaders. They yep. are the veterans. But you have to understand what's going on in the game and you would think Nick Nurse the innovative box and one guy the go with the flow guy would have recognized that but he didn't man and again I'm, I'm circling back to it and I really don't want to be the fire your coach guy but I don't want to trade the roster that's that's the biggest thing that I think both of us have kind of realized at this point you take it back to the beginning of the season we were flying high on this team. Again, we knew that there would be some internal development and we should see success from our young-ish guys. But the system is, is collapsing. The system is falling apart. And if your one and two are not as consistent as they can be, because obviously Siakam's been up and down, but at least he's been more up than down compared to Fred the other way. Nurse has to step in and be willing to go, yes, Gary is shooting the way he is. Yes, Boucher is putting in shots tonight. Yes, Scotty, go be a beast and just put up 20 shots, which never happens anymore. It's oh. it's embarrassing, honestly. Dude, the you know, we thought there should be some internal development, and I think this is a big indictment on his player development style. You know, we're known as this player development lead or organization over the last 10 years. We developed Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan into these, you know, high-quality elite players. We developed, you know, Fred Van Vliet and Pascal Siakam. But, man, we've talked about it before. That was Dwayne Casey. Dwayne Casey was the guy who pushed them and made them the players who they were, and Nick Nurse inherited that. And if you look at what Nick has had to work with, he has had, you know, similar style players with a Malachi, with a Delano, with a Coloco, even with Scotty, man. Scotty's regressed this year. How can we have the rookie of the year – the guy who we all thought was 
going to be better than Kevin Durant, right? Like we wouldn't give him up for Kevin Durant. Regress. It's it's got to be coaching, no? I mean, unless he's going to pull a John Morant and turn the corner like crazy in year three, that's the hope at this point. Because if it's not that hope, it has to be the coaching. It has to be the development staff. And also, it has to be the opportunity. And as we keep discussing about the team needs to be given the opportunity. These players need to be given the opportunity to show off and do what they do. And trusted. That's it. Right? We can only assume from the outside that the reason why Scotty's not getting more shots a game, the reason why Gary's not getting to shoot those shots when he's hot is because somebody else made the decision and he became a role player for that moment. No, thank you. Man, look, we are a team starving for guard play. Like, we are starving for it. That Indiana game proves it, right? Like, when TJ McConnell is outplaying our guards, yeah, something is, is, is extremely wrong because – he doesn't have the talent level near Gary Trent Jr., Fred Van Vliet, or even Delano Banton. And, like, we lose a guy like Justin Champagny, who's no longer a part of our organization. He never even got a shot this year, man. He was good last year. He played well. He, he hit shots. He was decent on defense. And this year, he couldn't even crack a minute in the rotation. I think Nick is too focused on trying to win with the five guys that he thinks are the best, and he's forgetting that you need development from everywhere. You, because there's going to be injuries, you need other guys to be ready to step up. And when you don't instill confidence in them with the way that you play them, you're telling them, I don't feel confident in you. I think that you're lesser than. I think that you can only play nine minutes a game in this league. They start to believe it, man. They start to get nervous. They start to get tight when yep. the when they have an open shot. They know that they need to knock it down as opposed to just feeling it in rhythm, and it changes the way that they play. And I think, like again, sorry Nick, I just think it's time, dude. And I look at my boy Utah Watanabe, who just had his contract fully guaranteed by Brooklyn just yesterday. He's one of the best shooters on that team right now, and. Was he limited because of the opportunity that Nurse provided, or was he limited because it didn't work out with Toronto? We don't know, but sitting here right now, the conversation that we're having, the direction we're going, should I talk about Terrence Davis? Should I talk about Steve McHyland? Like, what are, we, what are we doing here at this point, right? Like, we're starting to see this cycle of continuing just happening over and over, and I don't want that to continue. I don't want it to be... Well, this roster doesn't come together and Gary goes off and becomes an all-star because we trade him. OG becomes the force that he's going to be because we trade him. Matt, there's rumors of D'Angelo Russell for Fred Van Vliet. I'm I'm shaking right now when I hear things like that. No, thank you. Dude, that, that Bill Simmons trade where we get like D'Angelo Russell and a bunch of spare parts and maybe a first-round <laughs> pick for like Fred Van Vliet and Gary Trent Jr. is an absolute joke. It's a joke, man. Like... They have proven over their careers that they can be better players. And that's the, the, the hard part, right? Like everybody's saying trade season's open for the Raptors. We're going to lose a lot of players. We need to, you know, switch up the roster. The roster construction isn't great. Nobody said that last year. Nobody said, oh, like our roster construction is really poor. Like we really, you know, there was talk that we needed maybe an extra guard to, you know, take off some of Freddie's minutes. Oh, we needed a rim protection center for when we played Joel Embiid and maybe 
Nikola Jokic. But for the majority, we never really needed that rim protector. Like, how can Julius Randle tonight start the game 19 of 28 points for the New York Knicks? The man had 19 of their first 28 points. We've got OG who can guard him. We've got Scotty. We've got, like, so many players. Precious, Siakam. Like, how? How are we doing this? And you know, so frustrating. You talk about trade season being open, but I'm sitting here going, the market is screwed because of what happened with Rudy Gobert. And what we know about Masai is that when he makes a trade, he wins the trade. So when I put those two together, I just don't see a trade happening. You know what I mean? Like I just don't see, you know, a, a trade coming together that Masai goes, yes, this is the value I want. And teams are not just going to let him fleece them. And that's why we circle back to, well, if a change has to be made to find success, the only potential option might be Nurse, which is terrifying because of the success that he's had. But also, you know, those honeymoon periods, it, it tends to work out. Look at Boston right now, even what they've been dealing with coach-wise. Yeah, no, exactly right. Like, they lost Ime Udoka, and count us as two of the guys who thought that they were going to flounder this year, and they showed that they don't need it, you know? They they have the roster to to, you know, fit into a new system, and Maybe this new voice is even better for them. And, you like, honestly, like, let's go get Dwayne Casey back if we can. Like, maybe the, the Pistons will fire him and we could take him back because that man at least, you know, had a defensive philosophy and, like, he developed players and we had a great system. I think it's just, it's just super unfortunate. And it may be that, you know, our 905 team and our assistants have been, you know, pilfered over the years, and they have, right? Like, when you have a great development program and your assistant coaches and your, you know, um, specialty coaches are, are doing great things, they yep. do get, you know, pulled. But, yeah, it's got to start at the head of the snake, man. And he's just, he's proven that he's not it, man. We thought he was Steve Kerr-esque. We thought he was going to be, you know, that great, great coach. But, you know, we talked about it before. You, you think about that championship roster and, you got a 30-year-old Ibaka, 29-year-old Ibaka, who's still playing in the, like a high-end defensive level. You got Mark Gasol, who regains his defensive player of the year form. You got Kyle Lowry, the floor general. You got Fred Van Vliet. You got Pascal Siakam playing like Scottie Pippen and Kawhi Leonard playing like Michael Jordan. Like, do you really need to be the best coach in the league to win with that? Probably not. And uh, that team will always be absolutely underrated. And... I, I would be sad if, you know, the tenure goes down that 20 years from now, Raptors don't have another championship and Nick Nurse had five, six more years with this court. You know what I mean? Like, because we were middling, because we just were good enough and we knew Scotty could potentially take the jump and we knew that Siakam was a top player, but it just never comes together because of this, that, the other thing. Like, we talk about how, you know, being midding, being middling in this league, being stuck just not doing anything but still being competitive enough to not get draft picks is the worst place to be and i'm pretty sure like a month ago i was like man i'm scared that that's going to be us and it looks like that's us unless we you know either go to the bottom and and really try to get scoot henderson or we really fight our way back and and figure something out but like again no disrespect to bradley beal i think pascal siakam at the moment is a better nba player no disrespect to damara levine I'd take Siakam over Trey Young, over Jimmy Butler or Bam Adebayo, over Tyrese Halliburton, over Julius Randle and Jalen Brunson. And yet we are behind all of these teams. And it's not like 
our second and third best players aren't elite. You know, OG Ananobi might be the defensive player of the year this year. He's that good. Fred Van Vliet was an all-star last year. What is wrong with this roster? We've got three guys in the top three of the minutes of the league. They're averaging 37-plus, all three of them. What is this, man? And, and this is how you know that we are just repeating things because Matt's going a little insane over there. He has brought Siakam up high and is, is praising him, and he's he's brought Nurse down low, and he's bringing down, like, we have flipped the script here with Matt, but this is just the truth of the Raptors right now. I think we've pretty much gone through it with this squad. I don't know what else you want to talk about, my friend, because it's just painful. Man, at least, you know, like, Probably not going to win against Portland, but we got Hornets coming up on uh, Tuesday, Thursday. So maybe we can get some wins there. Please, yeah. Hopefully Dad. hopefully we can have a positive win week because we have, we've had too many one-two weeks. Two-four weeks, right? Too many times where we start talking and we're like, well, we are below 500 this week on our wins. So hopefully we get a little bit of positivity week from the boys because... I mentioned it two weeks ago. This stretch of games that was coming up was going to define the season for the Raptors. Well, we're two weeks in and they played pretty crappy, and I would prefer if that isn't the definition of our season, but that looks like the direction unless some changes happen. Hey, man. Scoot Henderson and Scotty Barnes, future of the Toronto Raptors, let's go. <laughs> it, was, it was fade for Cade forever for Matt, and now apparently we're moving into the, the fade for Scoot, the sit-down for yeah. Scoot life. So look, man, like even if we got the number one overall pick, I might even go scoot over Victor Wembanyama just because he's the safer player and we need guard play. We need guard play so bad. Somebody get us a guard. And like, Masai, if you're watching this, get me a guard. My, my last point, actually, because I did I did want to bring this up. Um, we used to have a problem where we needed more rebounding, where we needed some bigger size. I thought we were a trash rebound team. We are the fifth best offensive rebounding team in the league. We get apparently 12 per game. Bro. We don't do anything with them, though. But, yeah, shout-out to Christian Coloco for coming in and starting to be a rebounding force. No longer is it, hey, we need an actual center. It is now, <laughs> we need some guard play. Look, man, we all knew coming into this season that we weren't going to be a great half-court offense. How are we the 25th team in pace? If we're not going to be a good half-court offense, how are we not playing with pace? How are we not going out in transition? How do we always, always outpossess the other team, and yet we only have the 26th ranked offense in the NBA? We get, we average the most possessions a game out of every team in the league. Like, it's it's, it's just brutal. That, that it's right brutal. there is a thank you, OG Ananobi, for your four steals a game for giving us those possessions and a chance to maybe win. But let's let's move away from the Raptors, Matt. Let's talk about a little bit of positivity because the rest of the NBA has been going off the past few weeks. We mentioned it at the top, right? That Luka game, Donovan Mitchell with 71, LeBron, like, Raptors season? Eh, rest of the league moments were pretty bangers, you know? Bro, I mean... The first 60-20-10 game, like, everybody was going off when uh, James Harden scored 60-10-10. This man, Luka Doncic, grabbed 20 boards to go along with 60 points. He is a absolute menace. The The December Luka train is, like, a 40-point 10-10 player this year. Like, he was phenomenal in the month of December. And 
did Donovan Mitchell outdo him with that 71 point game? Like, oh, <laughs> could you imagine if we had traded for Donovan? Oh, uh, the would be. So- so we were talking a few weeks ago, we, we were talking about how like, man, there's these amazing performances we're getting to see. We talk about Luca doing the shot off the board to then make the rebound and do the best dance moves we've ever seen from an NBA player ever to then get the W. But man, Donovan yeah. Mitchell, 71 points, had to go up one more just to surpass Booker, you know, but what an amazing performance from Donovan Mitchell. Yes, there will be the asterisks to it that he probably shouldn't have had the lane to get that shot. Let's put some respect on this guy because I'm pretty sure he had, what, 10, 11 assists? Like, the man was the reason that that game ran it all. Like, Cavaliers were just praying that Donovan Mitchell would make it happen. Bro, he was in on 99 of their points. He assisted or scored 99 of their points. Scary. Um, He is absolutely phenomenal. I think it's also kind of crazy that, you know, over the last, what, 30 years, the only guys to have over 70 points in a game are shooting guards who were drafted 13th overall. You got Kobe Bryant, you got Devin Booker, and you got Donovan Mitchell. Like, just crazy that you can find talent at the 13th overall pick like that. Like, what are teams doing at the top of the draft, man? (laughs) I mean, you gotta love when weird statistics come out like that, honestly, and in the shooting era that we currently exist in, those things, those weird stats are going to keep showing up. When you think about how much five out has become the staple of the NBA, the fact that every single child who decides they want to be in the NBA for the past 15 years has watched Stephen Curry do what he does. Like there's only going to be more shooting as the league continues to get older and older and older. So we're in good hands. That's for sure. There's a lot of great talent, bro. It's phenomenal. Like, the fact that we lost Zion to a hamstring injury and, you know, Kelly Oubre Jr., who's having a really solid season for the Hornets, like, we still have so many players, right? Like, even the Pelicans can survive this three-week Zion injury, right? They got TJ McCollum, they got Brandon Ingram, they've got, you know, a plethora of players. And then you've got John Morant and the, the Grizzlies just, they look so well constructed and the worst part is man is that all of their key players are like 25 and under yep. right like jaron jackson jr is their oldest player they are going to be a monstrous team i also want to shout out clay's big game from the other night he gotta love when you can see clay yep. thompson play like clay thompson again um draymond green doing draymond green things is just funny but Man, the Warriors are going through a tough season. I'll give some love to Clay. <laughs> I, I respect him. And he had, what, 56 points, I think yeah. it was. So, yeah, absolutely amazing. Because I feel like everyone has just kind of forgotten about Clay. He just kind of exists on that Warriors team now. And to go from being one of the most prolific scorers ever to where he is now, like, that's a big game and a, and a big attention moment. Not because he needs the attention, but kind of like, hey, man, put a little bit more respect on my name. I'm, I'm doing what I can to keep this team afloat without Curry. I love the way he trash talks the Grizzlies, you know? Like, you can't talk about a dynasty until you win, bro. <laughs> yeah. Just too good. I love his confidence. I love the way he's playing. Um, it's just nice to see, man, because, again, like, having him be a, for- a shell of himself, and he's still – he's not all the way there. His defense wanes from time to time where he was, you know, a defensive stalwart for years when he was in his prime. But to get 56, man, like, that's – it's just nice for Clay. 
you have to be for players that can come back from injuries, right? I mean, Kevin Durant is proving that he is the staple of what injury? I had an injury? No, no, no. I'm still Kevin Durant. You know, you know who I am, right? Like what he has done with this Brooklyn team to bring it back, like it's amazing. And so, you know, you look at these injuries, like I'll, I'll rotate it back to the Pels for a second. You talk about Zion being out and how they're going to survive. Well, if I'm the GM of the Pelicans, I look at Zion and I'm like, he's a generational talent but he's going to play 60% of the games in his career. That's just a fact with the body that he has. So you have to build that roster around the fact that he might not be around every once in a while. So shout out to the Pelicans for doing what they're doing and being third on the Western table. But I digress. Let's talk about Kevin Durant. Let's talk about Brooklyn and this team very briefly. Because they're amazing. Nine and one in their last 10 games. Kevin Durant has been spectacular. Kyrie Irving playing very well and even Ben Simmons man he's showing up here now you know he's playing some good defense he's having a couple games here but really the story ends with Kevin Durant man like it starts with him it ends with him he is still a top five player in this league everybody was like oh maybe it's you know Jokic maybe it's uh uh, Luka Giannis it's no guys Kevin Durant still firmly in the top 10 or top five top three even Man, wildly good. Wild. Brooklyn has really quieted a lot of the haters. And, you know, to talk about Ben Simmons a little bit, because I'm just going to I'm gonna tap myself on the shoulder a little bit here. Everyone was clowning Ben at the beginning of the season, and I thought to myself, you know what? Eventually people are going to stop caring and stop looking at him, and he can just play basketball again and be a defensive force on that team because of Kevin Durant. So I just want to thank you, thank you. You know, I try, but... The Brooklyn Nets are sick. They're sitting now, what, 25 and 13? They're basically yep. at the top of the East. I don't think they're Ty going anywhere. Milwaukee? Yeah. No. Man, I think they're, they're staying at the top of that, that Eastern Conference. I think they're actually going to be a dangerous team come playoff time because it seems like, knock on wood, as long as they all stay healthy, that they're actually going to get a full year of cohesion together right? and actually get to play and, and figure each other out before the playoffs. Yep. And that's just going to – it's going to be great for them. They're not going to have to play Boston in the first round. I mean, Cleveland's not going to be – or I guess um, Philadelphia is not going to be a great matchup for them. But – or the Knicks? Oh, no, they'll beat the Knicks. Yeah. It's a bad match. No, it's it, – right now, the top of the East is really interesting because Boston, Milwaukee, the Cavs, and Brooklyn, I think have solidified themselves as the top four. I think Philadelphia is, like, nipping a little bit. They're there because, obviously, it's Joel Embiid and James Harden. Like, they're going to be around. But they just, the whole team just hasn't seemed to mash the same way those top four teams have come along. The rest of the table I'm not even going to look at because I don't want to have to read that many names before Toronto shows up. Bro, um, if I'm just going to say one thing about Philadelphia is they are so lucky that they play in this horribly officiated league. Because if they played in the league where, you know, the refs made the right calls and they didn't just give superstars, quote-unquote, the, the benefit of the doubt and the, the, the call every time down the floor, they would be a much worse team. James Harden's literally walking the ball to the rim and being able to get foul calls whenever he wants. He is not dribbling. He's carrying. Joel Embiid is flopping. Like, don't even get me started on the 76ers. I know they're good. I know Joel Embiid's playing you know, out of this world this year. Still, man, like, have some respect for yourself and play hard. 
just I just like I, I find it funny because like I don't know how Philly fans feel about watching these games, but like Philly went it. from trusting the process for years to now having the two most prolific free throw shooters, the two most I need my free throws to get myself to twenty points players in the NBA. Man, like how, how do games not last for like three hours in Philadelphia every night? How do fans not fall asleep before the games and that's where my mind goes. Yeah, man. And you know, Joel Embiid hurt his foot again, so could be bad, you know, that he lost like the first two years of his career to feet injury. So hopefully he's fine because, you know, he is he is one of the best players in the NBA, but he's one of the most infuriating players to watch for me. <laughs> Absolutely. And Absolutely. when you think about this Eastern Conference, when you think about the rest of the teams, like, yeah, Indiana is doing good. Got to shout them out. Tyrese Halliburton is legit. He needs more all-star votes. That's the one thing I will say about Indiana. But everything else, you know, the Heat are not doing great. The Hawks do not look good. And there's the Bulls, and then there's a couple other teams in the Raptors. It's just, it's it's kind of crapshoot down here. Bro, like, what happened to the Eastern Conference last year? Like, we were the better conference this year. They're, they're definitely the worst conference. Um, and we're falling apart. We should be doing well, but we're not. But I'm going to get out of the East because I do want to talk a little bit about, you know, Luka Magic. I know we talked about his huge game. I know we talked about how he's, he's been performing so well. But, yo, they're fourth in the Western no. Conference. And if you are an NBA fan or an NBA media and you are thinking about the MVP conversation, because, you know, we're, you know, 40 games in at this point, you can really start to legitimately talk about who's the MVP. I get it. Jason Tatum playing for Boston. They're the best team in the NBA. They're great. Luka Doncic is doing it without anybody. We were talking about it. Fred Van Vliet, Gary Trent Jr., OG Ananobi, like, all would be the second best player on that team. Like, he's doing it with Christian Wood and Spencer Dinwiddie, Maxi Kleba, and, and Dwight Powell. Like, what is going on? Reggie Bullock, like, I, I know he's decent. I know he can hit threes. Man, a few weeks ago, you know, they were in, like, the play-in area. They were just above 500 or just kind of below it. And we were talking about, get this man some help. Luca needs some help. When I wrote down the tables before this episode today, and I saw the maps were in fourth, I was like, wait a second, what is going on? Did they make a trade? No, Luca is just that special. He is that guy. And my favorite part is on Christmas, I had, you know, I was able to watch one game, but it was the Mavericks game. And I remember putting it on the TV. And I remember my dad kind of sitting there and looking at TV. And I was like, hey, you see that, you see that white guy there? Yeah, he's the next LeBron James. My dad was like, what? No way. That doesn't make sense. And I was like, just you wait and see, my friend. Man is uh, absolutely phenomenal. And he, he won't be the next LeBron James. As he said, you know, nobody's going to be able to play the 18, 19 years that LeBron has played in this league at this high of a level. Because if you're looking at Luca, Luca's he likes his beer. He likes cigarettes. You know, I, even after that 60-20-10 game, he's like, I need a beer. <laughs> he's, I love he, uh, this man. This man epitomizes, you know, that work-life balance that the younger generation is starting to figure out. We're not just being slaves to the man anymore. But, yeah, let's move, let's move down this table. You know, we talked about Denver. We talked about Grizzlies. We talked about New Orleans. You know who's right there, yeah. right below it? Sacramento, baby. Let's light this beam over and over. The fact that they are 20 and 17, that they are solidly in the playoff race, this guy is so happy right now. Bro, they're actually decent. Like they're they're playing well. They've got 
good players from top to bottom. They've got a system that's working for them. That Kevin Herter trade, I said it when they made it, man. Yeah, you did. Atlanta should not have given him away. I understand that you had, you know, Trey Young. I understand that you traded for DeJounte Murray. Don't trade Kevin Herter. He's good, bro. Like, he can hit shots. He's a great guard. I wish, you know, the Raptors had gone and got him. Um, but... Heck, man, I mean, this team kind of really starts with De'Aaron Fox and DeMontis Sabonis, and those guys are playing otherworldly. The other guys have really fallen into place and, like, really just filled out the rosters where they're supposed to be. And they're – I can't believe it, man. I can't believe they're fifth and in the entire Western Conference. To add on top of it, shout out to those fans. That is the best arena to watch basketball games in right now. There was a buzzer beater in Sacramento a week ago. If you go watch that highlight, you cannot hear the announcers talk about it because the crowd is so bumping and so amped. Like for a franchise that has been in the depths, in the deep, forgotten about for so many years, man, it must feel so good in Sacramento. Man, it's gotta feel so good. They're 10th in the NBA right now overall. Like Right there, and uh, yeah, I, you called it, man. You've been talking about them all summer long, talking about how you really like the way that they, they built the roster with shooters, with Malik Monk, Herter, with Keegan Murray, with Terrence Davis, and then Fox can get downhill. They got a big, mobile, you know, the, Don, the, best, bonus. the best he's played with. Not even, not yeah. even close. Like, not even close, man. And any Anyone who actually looks at the statistics, I mean, I think I was really high on the Kings because, you know, with the article I do every year talking about teams that are trash, like, I have to pay attention to Sacramento. And watching the last few years, I was like, ooh, poor De'Aaron Fox. Ooh, that Halliburton trade. But then, wait a second, Sabonis. It all just came together for the Kings. And, man, I really hope they can just keep this trade going because playoff basketball in Sacramento will be absolutely insane. They may only get two games. They may only get two games with that arena, but those two games are going to be some of the best fan experiences in the NBA. Man, absolutely. And I think that's a great example of a, a great win-win trade, the, the Halliburton for Sabonis. You know, they the Kings did have a great budding young guard, but they chose to, to go with the devil that they knew and add a, a big that they desperately, desperately needed. And Indiana had the extra big, you know, with Miles Turner yep. being Miles, great this season and added the, the lead guard that they had. And you can really see that both teams, you know, both are, I think, fifth or sixth in the their conferences respectively. And it, it really goes to show that, like, you know, there are win-win trades out there for teams. You just got to be able to find them and make them. And, and have a happy trade partner, right? Because every team is trying to get that win. Nobody wants to be the loser in a trade. But when we look down at the rest of this table, Matt, in the West, anybody else that strikes your mind? Obviously, Utah has fallen down there below 500, finally. It's all back to earth. But everything else is kind of just standing pat down here, you know? Yeah, and I think, you know, maybe the Lakers, if they can get some help, they might be able to sneak in there. I'm glad for Golden State that they, they've gotten into the play and, mm -hmm. you know, tournament at this point. But honestly, at the end of the day, man, like, the West hasn't really changed much since the beginning of the year. It's been those, you know, top five teams for the majority of it. Um, obviously, Utah was super hot at the beginning, but nobody expected that, right? And nobody, nobody would have said that they would have continued this pace. Everybody and their mother was saying that they were going to fall know. back down. So we all knew it was going to be New Orleans, you know. The Clippers, are, you know, might surprise up in there. 
uh, the Memphis Grizzlies, Denver Nuggets, the Dallas Mavericks. Like, it is who it is, right? The West is just the West right now, and it's sad being an Eastern Conference fan and being like, can we get a little, can we get a little bit of that, that Western action going on over here? But I think that's pretty much it for me, my friend. I'm ready to roll into takes if you are. Yeah, man. I mean, I'm going to go back to the Raptors, and I'm going to talk about the trading. And at the end of the day, what I think we are going to do is we are going to trade Fred Van Vliet this year. He is going to be the piece that we move because I think that he has a little bit more value than a Gary Trent Jr. And honestly, we need to kind of tank a little bit and maybe go for for a high-end guard in the draft and, and maybe get a, dra- a guard back for Fred, like a young up-and-coming player. Uh, but yeah, we keep Gary Trent and we, we trade Fred. I would be a happy fan. A little, I would feel a little bad inside. I would. I can't lie. But I do really yeah. like Gary. I think that Gary has an opportunity to be a part of this new age core that I think that we need to transition into. You know, I talked about it I think all through the last year as well, you know, you look at Siakam and Fred as the next Lowry and DeMar and mm-hmm. trading one of them got us a championship. That's not going to happen if we trade Fred right now, but I would like to see that positivity if possible, you know? Absolutely, my friend. And for me on the takes, you know, we were already talking about how pumped I was for the Kings. Talking about how the Lakers need some help. It's not coming tomorrow night. That beam is going to get lit. Sacramento is going to get that win. I'm going to say above 215 total points. I want to see I want to see lots of scoring. I want to see lots of points, lots of threes from Sacramento. That's my Yeah, plan. well, like a 108-107 game would get you there. So, no. <laughs> Just enough to squeak us by. But anything else, my friend? No, man. I think you're good to wrap this up. Perfect. Well, thanks, everybody, for being here. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at The Board Sports. Like, subscribe, give us that thumbs up, and check out TheBoardSports.net for new episodes and blog posts. And we'll talk to you next time.